whenever people say that you know what, uh, it's really saturated. There's like millions of people selling product. Yeah. So now we, we talk about a real life example that I'm sure everyone can relate to. We talk about iPhone. Yeah. If you think about it, to be honest, every person that is currently an Apple fan already has an iPhone, correct? Yeah. But the thing is, year after year without fail, Apple is able to find a way to improve upon their current phone. And because there is an improved version, something new on the market, and people always kind of like new stuff. We don't want to buy stuff from 10 years ago. That's the reason why Nokia is no longer selling phones. Yeah. If you are always constantly innovating and improving upon your products, that's how you can still go into a market that already are full of existing sellers and yet still do very well. There's never such thing as saturation. There's only a lack of innovation. You've probably heard that your story is your brand. So how can ordinary entrepreneurs and salespeople like you and me tell our stories in a way that cuts through all the noises in this overcrowded social media world and reach the audience that we want? Join me as I break down storytelling secrets that have helped me achieve over 8 figures in revenue as well as interviewing some of Asia's most prominent names and rising stars to uncover their stories. I hope this show will inspire you to be more vulnerable and share your story to the world because your mess is your message. My name is Gabriel Wong and welcome to the Story Impact Show. Okay, we are live. Uh, welcome everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Story Impact Show. So today we have with us Benjamin Tan and Benjamin is an active seven-figure Amazon uh, FBA seller based in Singapore. Uh, started his journey in Amazon early 2017 and within his first year he became the top 10 Amazon seller based in Singapore and sold over a million dollar USD worth of physical product on the Amazon platform and then ever since then he has uh, sold over uh, three million dollars worth of products since then so uh, he is now an Amazon coach uh, teaching helping ordinary people ordinary Singaporeans how to start an Amazon uh, FBA business how to start their Amazon uh, FBA journey and personally, I've worked with him on many levels, uh, including his marketing campaign. And I can say that uh, from my personal encounter with him, he cares for his audience and he has a heart to serve them. So please help me to welcome Benjamin. So Benjamin, thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome. Very happy to be here. Yeah. So uh, we're all stuck right now. We're still in the circuit uh, breaker period. How's everything going, home, uh, going on at home? Mm, pretty much the same because I've been working from home for the last three years. Except now we can't really go out. So we are really literally forced to stay at home. But I would say things have been a lot more productive because I find that when you have no choice, you have no place to go, you're stuck at home, you kind of make full use of the time. So in fact, to be honest, I'm kind of enjoying this circuit breaker. Yeah. And I think it helps, right? That Because you have Amazon FBA business, uh, you pretty much can work from home. There's pretty yeah. much no difference of how you make money. Yep, correct. Okay. So... Um, I think maybe my first question, um, I wanted to ask you a bit about background, but I want to talk a bit about Amazon uh, FBN in a way like working from home. I think, um, you know, the market, right? When we say work from home, you know, making money from home, a lot of people always think of like scams and stuff. Uh, but, you know, it's just not just, not long ago, this was like impossible. But now we have, we are all forced to stay at home. We are all forced to work from home. Okay. What are your thoughts on this? Like, will the world move into really moving, working from home? Uh, is work from home going to be a very permanent thing for everyone? So, what are your thoughts on this? I think it's a very interesting question. And I would say that sometimes things happen that cause us to really rethink the way that we've always been doing things. 
So mm. this COVID-19 is really like a, it's like a wake up call, I think, in a sense for, for a lot of people, because the way that we used to work, to, to go to a physical office and we congregate and we do meetings there, things have changed because we have no choice right now. So we are, as humans, we are being forced to adapt. And I think yeah. the interesting thing is where we are being forced to adapt, we realize that that the new normal, which is the current situation we are in, which is lockdown and having forced to work from home and to do meetings over Zoom, is yeah. actually not that bad. Yeah. So we, we actually have a very close friend that uh, we put our dog with once in a while. Uh, whenever we are busy, we can't take care of our dog. We put our dog with our friend and she works in the travel industry. Yeah. And she told, she told us that all along she had to like, uh, uh, first she's from Australia. So she had to like, come over to Singapore and she's like, oh, she have an office in Singapore and everything. And they've been doing this for many years. Like they have fixed remote satellite office across the world. And it's only because recently this whole thing happened. She said that she's being forced to stay at home and work. And she was able to literally the whole business model could shift. And she realized that she doesn't even have to be based in Singapore. And next month, which is June, she's going back to Australia where she's been She's been from anyway, and she said that she's going to continue working from home remotely there, even though her business is like based in Singapore and like uh, she used to always work here. So yeah. I think it's a very interesting shift that people are starting to realize you do not have to be fixed at one location in order to do real work. Yeah. Okay. And that's interesting. So, you know, you have been an Amazon seller since like 2017, but, you know, were you an entrepreneur before? You know, were you a nine to five person? Have you always known that you were gonna be a, you know, an entrepreneur, Amazon FBA seller? Like, like what? How do you start in the first place? If you went back ten years and I asked asked me if I knew today I will be an Amazon seller, the answer is no. I yeah. think nobody starts business with the end in mind. We kind of have a general direction like where we want to go. Uh, for me, I started out this journey when I was in my uh, late teens. I would say when I was 16, 17. Probably like most people out there, Rich Dad Poor Dad was the book that really changed it for me. And ever since then, I told myself, I want to go into business. I want to do something that I can take control back of my own time. And I would say that I tried a lot of things that before I really figured out kind of what I wanted. So it wasn't really something that, oh, day one I knew it's, a, it's this business or that business. It was a process of self-discovery. As I tried certain things, I learned a sk certain skill set. Mm -hmm. And after a couple of years, maybe I said, you know, I, I'm coming to the end of my like learning curve. I can't learn anymore doing what I'm doing. Then I move on to the next thing. And the funniest thing is when I transit from things to things in a, like past 15 years or so, uh, it wasn't really like a, a very like, oh, it's the next thing that makes sense. It's, it wasn't like the next, next logical step. But now when I look back upon my life for the last 15 years, I realized that everything that I've been doing serves a purpose. And I learned from every single like, uh, experience in my life, whether it's a, a business or even a job, which I used to have in the past, and everything serves a purpose that leads me to where I am today. So, so what was, you mentioned about your job, what was your job? Uh, the only real job I ever had, uh, it was a, not even a 9 to 5, it was an 8 to 6 kind of thing. I signed on under the Air Force in Singapore as an Air Force regular. That was oh, from 18 okay. all the way to 25, so 7 years in the Air Force. You were 7 years in the Air Force? Seven years. That was the only time I had a real full-time job in a sense. No, I, seven years is a long time already. Seven is super long time. I've not even worked a single... Because a lot of times, right, um, I think one of the things is that like when I speak to people, I feel that sometimes it's so hard for me to relate or I feel... I, I scared that I'm not relatable because mm. I've never really worked a job before. 
The only yeah. job I did, right, was when I was 14 years old, I gave out flyers and that was the only, like, one or two days, like, part-time yeah. work. That's it. <laughs> um, but you were seven years, right, working in the Air Force. Then, have you known that you were always going to be an entrepreneur? Like, what made you leave the force to actually start something? Actually, I kind of knew from an early age that I wanted to do business. But when I was 18, I decided to play it safe and take the traditional route, which is education and then maybe find a high-paying job first before I figure out what I wanted. Uh, so why I signed on at 18 years old? Because the truth is I needed the money. And back then, the Air Force was the only way that I could see myself putting myself through school. I wanted mm -hmm. to study a, a degree. I wanted to get a good degree. And I couldn't afford to put myself through school. So yeah, I saw the yeah. pay. It was 1750 And on that day, I saw the contract. I signed on. But it was only the next day that he sang in. Like, oh, actually, that's a, that's a six-year bond. It's called MTE in Air Force, the minimum term of engagement. It was six years. Uh, I stayed on for almost close to seven years. So... But it's, it's oh, too bad. Like, I, I already signed and sometimes you only learn upon hindsight. Yeah. So, was, that was, was, that regret, was that any regret not starting out earlier? Because 18 years old, you know, maybe, yes. I don't know. Do you think that you'll be a lot far ahead if you were started at 18? Mm, I'm not very sure if I had really started at 18, whether I'll be where I am today. Because even when I was in the Air Force, it showed me something that I didn't want. I mean, sometimes people know what they want, but... I also say that sometimes people need to know what they do not want. Oh, I mean, yeah. you can either be attracted to something or repelled by something. So yeah. when I was 18, when I was in the Air Force, I was kind of, the, the more I was working there, I mean, like, to, not, not to put the Air Force down, they, they gave me a decent career for a couple of years, they paid me pretty decently, and they taught me a lot of soft skills that I think I wouldn't otherwise have learned outside. But it really taught me that I did not want to have to work for someone else, not being able to control my time, my income and not being able to be paid what I think I deserve. Because if you are in an eight to five or nine to five, you still have to follow like a hierarchy. You report to a boss, even though your boss may not be as smart as you think or as smart as you, but yet you, 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 you're like in your face, there's a corporate structure there. And yeah. it's, it's something that some people like because there's a safety net. But yeah. for me, I, I don't like that. Okay. Yeah. I like to do things my way. I, I, kind of thing that some things I do are a lot faster, but it's just not the way it's supposed to be done. So yeah. I wasn't comfortable there, but I stuck with it and seven years passed by, yeah. uh, it passed by. Yeah. Especially a lot of uh, organization or corporation, they have a lot of like very rigid structure. So like, yeah. especially for people like us, I mean, it sounds like someone, you're, you're someone like me where, you know, we're very similar in a way we want to be able to contribute into uh, add value into the organization, right? But sometimes it's so hard to even yeah. do anything because like everything's so rigid. Right, but it's not, and it's not their fault, right? Because all the system was set in place for a reason. Mm. So, when you left the force, what was the first thing that you did? I remember you were uh, you went to be a property agent. Were you uh, in property? That's why you did well, before that. In fact, before property, so I left school. Uh, I was studying NTU for one year, but what happened was I I dropped out of school. So I dropped out of school one year. Yeah. And so it, it wasn't like seven years in the force. It was more like a four years in the force. Then I broke off. I went to study. Uh, university, but one year down the road, I, I was forced out of school. I, I dropped out of school because I was so bad. I failed all my grades. Then after that, I continued serving another two and a half or three years. Then I was free from my bond. So when I came out, it was about 25, I think, about 24 or 25, somewhere around that age. And I didn't really know what I was going to do. But for about close to one year, I was trying out different kind of stuff. So I was trying out different kind of online business, uh, 
even mm. back then I was really interested in like online business, but more like figuring stuff out. Yeah. So in the airport, save a little bit of money. I thought I was quite cool. Uh, I saved <laughs> only fifteen thousand now uh, back then. It's, it's like it's not very little. It's not a lot. But I thought, hey, I got this safety net. I got like maybe a year to figure stuff out. No commitment back then. So for one year, I was trying to figure out some kind of online business, but couldn't figure it out. Then I decided a uh, uh, the bank is getting a little bit dry. I need to quickly do something else. Yeah. So I said, let's go into sales and I decided to join real estate. Mm. Only because of one reason. <laughs> now I think back, the only reason I joined real estate at 25 was because I used to have a church friend and he is the quietest person around. He is the exact opposite of a salesperson. He is someone that I never would expect to be a salesperson, more like a librarian. <laughs> and that guy was telling me that he was doing five figure every single month. He was like, just closing deals left, right, center, doing 10K that month, 20K the next month. And I'm last thinking, if this guy can do it, so can I. Yeah. So I joined real estate to kind of wanted to join him, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was what started me on this whole journey of like real estate. Yeah. And how long do you stay there? Uh, I was there from 2011 to 2014. So about close to three years in real estate. Mm. And um, so what made you left uh, real estate? Do you do well in real estate? Real estate, I actually was doing pretty well. Yeah. So I joined in 2011 in the month of June. I still remember June or July, somewhere in the middle of the year. And every year in the agency, there will be like a top new achiever award. So where you, you compete like for one year of sales and then whoever's the top new rookie, like the achiever will, re- will win the top new achiever award. So I actually won the award in my first year in just six months. Nice. While people took a year, I took, I, I took only six months. And the subsequent year, I changed agencies. And so I was from ERA, then I went to Propnex. Uh, every single year, I was top 50 in my agency for the three years that I was active there. So mm-hmm. I would say I was doing pretty well. Uh, reason why I left was I was trading my time for money. Mm-hmm. It was just for more money now. But mm-hmm. it wasn't still giving me the kind of control I wanted. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Because you have to always constantly meet people, meet clients, meet prospects. Yep. And going so I remember from- I would be always, always on my phone. My wife will be out with me over a meal and then my phone will ring, a message will come in and I'll be, I'll be messaging my client. And this was, this was going on for about two, three years and it got pretty bad. Lah. To a point, my wife said, you're always on your phone. Lah. You yeah. don't marry me, lah. you marry your phone. <laughs> so it, it told me that you know, something, something is wrong. Lah. If yeah. I'm always on my phone, I'm there, but I'm never there. So my wife always used to say, ah, you're present, but you're never present. Yeah. So it was a, it was a wake up call. Lah. Okay. So, so that's, that, that's, that's where you left. And that was the time that you started the escape room business? Yes. So 2014, late 2013, I kind of really wanted to leave, but like no direction. So I didn't really dare to leave yet. And yeah. late 2013, we went to Bangkok. So we like, we like going to Bangkok for like quick holidays. Yeah. We went to Bangkok with no idea what we were going there for, just a quick like holiday, three days. We came back with a business. So the business was a live escape game. We, we tried in Bangkok called Escape Hunt. Yeah. We saw the concept. That it was pretty cool back then, six, seven years, like escape games were the new in thing. Yeah. And we thought, how about we bring it back to Singapore and I can do this business with my wife. So we, we decided to bring it back and start this franchise. So 2014, we, we started Escape Hunt Singapore and that was the start of the, the next chapter. <laughs> yeah. And that, how, that lasted how long? Uh, that lasted for almost close to two and a half years as well. We, were, we, we brought it back early 2014. We were involved all the way till August 2016. So coming to two and a half years. 
So how do you guys then? Why do you transit into Amazon after that? What happened to the the escape room business? So like uh, same thing. When I got too comfortable, I wasn't willing to change for about two and a half years. What really happened was actually we were doing quite well in the business. We were making good profits. Numbers were good. We kind of could. You guys also appear on multiple articles yeah. and. We, yeah. we were featured on different places, we TripAdvisor, we were one of the top few attractions always. Um, business was good, but I still didn't really have control because a lot of times I found that I was the bottleneck in the business. Meaning that if things were going wrong, we had to fix it as the boss. And our staff or our employees, they are just like, oh boss, there's a problem now, help. And it could be very stupid things. Huh? Like I still remember the first few months in business, our, our staff are all female, by the way, young females, uh, early 20s. And then they'll be like, oh, boss, help. The toilet choke. Or for example, boss, help. The sink choke. I don't know what to do next. Like, oh my just call a plumber. But they, they can't think like that because, I mean, they're they are like staff. Sometimes they just like report problems up. And as a boss, we are supposed to solve all problems. Yeah. So literally for two and a half years, I was the problem solver in the business. Anytime there was a problem that cropped out, electrical, electrical issue or something happened, a business process that broke down, I had to rush to the shop, I had to make sure I settle it. And after a while, I felt like I wasn't owning the business. The business was owning me. Yeah. And there was any issue, I had to respond. And yeah. I didn't really like that. But the turning point was, uh, my, what happened was my wife actually had a miscarriage somewhere in mid to late 2016. Somewhere around... August, I think it's July or August period. So mm-hmm. my wife was pregnant for a few months. That time, we were undergoing renovation in the shop. So I still remember we were spending like sometimes up to 16, 18 hours at the shop. Mm. And we had to fly overseas. We had to go for a business meeting with our franchisor in Bangkok. And it could be because of that or overworking or lack of sleep. I, I'm not sure what exactly it was. But my wife had a miscarriage. Mm. And I told myself that I can't, I can't like continue down this route. Uh, probably I'm trading my health for money this time. Yeah. Uh, we suffered miscarriage. It was quite sad. So I said, uh, I want to be really able to control my time and not have it being controlled by the business. Yeah. So we made a, a conscious effort. We said we need to let go of the business even though it was still very profitable and we need to transit to doing something different. Yeah. So that was like when we let go of the business and... Yeah. I was trying to find like, what else can I do from home? So kind of stumbled across Amazon, to be honest. Yeah. I I think before I go into the Amazon part, I think for the viewers watching and those people who are listening, I think what's interesting about your story that I wanted to bring on is that like, a lot of people see that the glamorous side of us, right? The marketers, the, the, the internet business owners or whatsoever, making a lot of money, but they don't see the kind of stuff that we have to go through in the past. Right. I mean, you went from trying different things before you actually found Amazon and something that, that works for you, right? You went from Air Force yep. to, you know, different kinds of online stuff and then start a mortar business in a way, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I mean, uh, a state where you were exchanging time for money and then you went from uh, exchanging time for money to exchanging health for money, yep. right? And I think, you know, the biggest learning I, ha- I got from there was that is that money is not the main thing. Mm. I mean, today you can make all the money in the world. You can be super, super rich, right? But if you lose all your health, you know, you don't have your family with you, then what's the point, mm. right? I think money can only buy us pleasure, but it cannot buy us happiness. So, yeah. I mean, that's something that I learned from you, um, at least from, from your story that you just shared with me. And, and that it's okay to try many different things because 
I don't know about you, but like, do you agree that like, I, I know there are a lot of people out there saying like, you know, we need to focus. Uh, and there's nothing, if you found something that you like, you should be focusing on it. But I think there is a exploration stage where at the beginning of uh, your journey that you should be just exploring different things and trying out different things because you never know for sure. Yep. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? Like, like that, was that something that, uh, that you intentionally do or you were just stumbling upon? It's, it's more of a, like a, uh, it's more like an evolutionary process, I would say. It's not like something that I, I it's, it's not like something revolutionary. It's like more like I, I, I realized that I need to move on. It's, there's, there's just this, like something inside me that tells me that, hey, I can't be doing this forever. In fact, when I was in the escape room business for about two years, in fact, not even the two and a half years, somewhere in the middle, I really felt I kind of peaked already, which is to say, right, this business, I've pretty much learned whatever there is to learn about the business. I really know this. Even if I were to do the same thing for 10 more years, I think I would not say I have accrued 10 years of experience. I have accrued one year of experience and I repeat it 10 times. And that's, that's all I learned. I plateaued that. So I told myself that hey, I, I, I can't just stay here comfortable because it's no more about the money. I think that comes to the point like what you say is very true. It's, there is a certain point of like income level that once you surpass, right, it does not increase your happiness exponentially. And yeah. I, I'm not sure what's the exact amount, but I think I read some research paper before they say the amount is about 100, 120,000 a year. I'm not yeah. sure it could be for you. Maybe you're saying 120 is too little. It could be too much. So for yeah. me, I realized that the moment you hit like maybe 10, 20K a month in income, you're very comfortable where you are, right? It's no more about the money and you should be doing things not for money, but for growth. Yeah. Which means that anytime you find yourself doing something and you're not learning, you are in an organization that does not add value to you anymore, that's the time that you need to leave. And that's what I truly believe in. Yeah. That's interesting because I, that's actually the next question I wanted to ask you because you mentioned about how uh, this is no longer about money. And I think what's interesting is that, you know, like even recently I started teaching about marketing. You know, I, I have been avoiding teaching for a while because there's always this bad association with teaching. Like people always see like gurus as like, you know, like all gurus are fake. And I think that's a big blanket statement. And I'm not saying that because I'm coming out to teach recently, but mm. I myself, you know, have been affected by this. And that's why for, for like maybe two years, I stopped teaching and I just want to focus on my agency and I just want to like show people that I'm not just a guru, right? I'm just not another mm. guru. And a lot of people always have this idea that like, if you're so good, right? You make so much money. Why do you want to come and teach? Mm. But a lot of them, they don't understand, which is what you mentioned that like, you reach a point where money, money no longer becomes the main, uh, like, of course, money must still must be good, right? All businesses mm. needs to make sense, uh, needs to still make money sense. It still need to make profit in order for you to continue yep. to uh, make an impact. But the money mm. doesn't matter as much anymore as, as much as the growth. And for me, I believe that we grow because so we can contribute. Yep. Right? Ultimately, so we can contribute. So so what, was that the reason uh, that it caused you to start teaching Amazon? Uh, was there um, another reason or another uh, story behind that. So what made you, so you did well, you went to Amazon, you did well, and then mm. what made you started teaching Amazon? So what happened is 2017, uh, March, I started selling. And for almost one year, I was very happy doing what I was doing. I thought I found the thing because I was doing well. First year we crossed a million, just me and my wife working from home. We weren't working long hours. We were very happy. In fact, 2017 was the most carefree year of my life because we traveled to over like, 10 countries. We went to Eastern Europe, went to Western Europe, we went to US, we went to so many places. And I thought, this is it. I found happiness. Business is good. I'm making fantastic money. I have all the time I want. Nobody controls me anymore. Yeah. And then I started to realize 
I got stagnant. I got stagnant in my personal growth. I wasn't growing as a person. I've also kind of learned all there is to Amazon in a sense like to get me to where I am. And of course, I'm not saying that 1 million a year is a lot. I mean, I know a lot of people out there doing much bigger numbers, 5 million a year, 10 million a year. But all it takes for me to get there at this, at this point in time is simply just repetition. And I just needed to repeat what I knew was working. And I knew it's a matter of time that I can get there. Mm. So the, the real big, uh, the shift happened in me was somewhere in late 2017, I started giving back a lot more. Because before that, I was simply a taker. I was in Facebook groups and forums asking people questions. And then people will help me and solve my problems. And I'll say, oh, thanks so much. I learned a lot. Then I'll go on and, and do the business, make some more money and all. But I decided, hey, maybe it's time to give, to give back instead. So I started, I remember I started this post in one of my friend's Facebook group. It's an Amazon-related Facebook group. Huh? So it was an Ask Me Anything poll. And it was super popular. I mean, there was like hundreds of people that commented within just a few hours. They started asking me all sorts of questions about how I started, how I did pretty decent. And I, I just, just answered them. I said like, okay, this is how you do certain things. Oh, that's how you find a new product. This is the kind of product you should sell. This is something you shouldn't sell. Really basic stuff to me at this point. But there was one person I got to know. This, this friend, till today, uh, I'm still very close with him. We talk every other day. This guy from Canada, Vancouver, called Tom Wang. Tom Wang or Tom Wang. He says Tom Wang. But I think in Asia, we call it Tom Wang. So over in Canada, he calls himself Tom Wang. And back then, he was still working full-time in Yellow Pages. He was trying to like, figure this stuff out on Amazon on a part-time basis. And he was, he was like at his last straw, which means he said, hey, if this thing still doesn't work, I'm going back to my full-time job. So he was asking me, hey, dude, how, how do you do it? Like, share with me. I, I think you cracked the code or something. So I started sharing with him just a little bit of things yeah. I know. I said, hey, this is how you find a product. This is what you should do. And then the next moment before I knew it, he just came back and said, hey, Ben, I found a fantastic product. Last month, my sales was, I think, 120,000. I was like, what? 120,000? And we, we didn't talk much for like for a couple of weeks after that. Then he came back and said, hey, this is my sales. And then I said, hey, this is something that's like, hey, this, we're onto something serious, you know. I mean, yeah. a lot of time when I share people's stuff, right? You know, the thing about people is when they make money, they're very quiet. Yes. They don't like to come back and like openly share because people like to keep stuff quiet. But he was very happy. He, he came back, he shared me his results. And it was early 2018. So you remember it's about February 2018. So when he showed me these results, I said, hey, maybe I'm onto something. Maybe if I were to structure everything I know into like a system and yeah. start sharing with people, right? Maybe this thing could really go out and change lives. Yeah. I'm sure there are a lot of Tom Wangs out there who really want this to work. They just need someone to show them the path. Yeah. So that was the, that was like, I think the, the defining moment. I said, I want to come out. I want to start sharing. Yeah. Uh, back then, uh, I had no idea how the training or seminar guru industry was like because I used to attend these kind of events and to, to me, I kind of enjoy it because I always learn from this. So I say, hey, I, I used to benefit a lot. I got a lot of value whenever I attended these kind of courses, uh, events. Let's come up with mine. I think I can do a lot better. And I know that I have results. I think I have a proven system that I can share with others as well. Mm. That was what led me on this journey to come out in somewhere in mid-2018 to start teaching people. Mm. Okay. Um, and you had the results and because you helped this guy called Tom got results. Mm. So you also have the result to show for in terms of like helping people get, the, get, get results as well. Mm. So maybe let's talk a bit about Amazon. Yep. Uh, before we talk about uh, more about your teaching. So uh, Amazon right now is rising mm. tremendously. 
uh, with the whole, especially with recent uh, COVID-19, right? Because of the whole quarantine, lockdown, wherever you are in the world, uh, most people are stuck at home. And because people are stuck at home, uh, here's my personal belief, not, of, not, because, not because I know Ben, but my personal belief is that habits, certain things will change. And one of the biggest industry that will, uh, that will climb up is e-commerce. Hmm. Of course, Amazon is like one of the market leader in this, uh, in this area. So what are your thoughts or your like thing about the future of e-commerce is, okay, is this market is going to continue to rise? And then perhaps my next question later on will be more on um, the follow-up question. I, I just rather just ask a question up front. Hmm. Uh, the other question is like, okay, what if more people start to sell on Amazon FBA? Would that be over competition? Hmm. Right. So yeah, what are, the, what, what are your thoughts on this? Okay, so your question is a two question. Uh, what's the like, yeah. trend of e-commerce and whether when more and more people sell, will it be saturated? Yeah. So we first need to like roughly understand like how is the state of online shopping. So I used to also think that the more people start selling, the more saturated it gets. Until I really started selling and I realized that it is not the number of sellers who are selling that matters, but it is the number of sellers that know how to sell that truly matters. Mm. Because... There are a lot of sellers in Amazon. I think the number is like in the millions. But out of these millions, how many of them truly, truly know how to sell? And how many of them truly are doing well? I think it's only the minority. So mm. it's not the number of sellers, but it's the knowledge gap even between the sellers itself. Mm. So when you think about US in terms of like online sales, right? Uh, before COVID hit, I, I think the number is 12% of all US shop online. Which mm. means uh, if let's say people spend 100 bucks outside at traditional brick and mortar retail, 12 bucks is spent online. So that was the number pre-COVID. Okay, that's, yeah. that's quite little. I didn't know that. It's only, I think it's about 8 to 12. La. There's some numbers that say 8, there's some that say 12, but I believe it's a plus minus 10%. Okay. Online sales is only 10% of all sales, which means there's 90% more people shopping at brick and mortar than there is online. And it's really and multi-trillion dollar industry. It's a multi-trillion industry. Last year, e-commerce in US alone was, I think, about just Amazon alone was about two to 300 billion. And Amazon takes up half of e-commerce, which means the whole e-commerce pie in US was about 500 billion a year. So because of recent COVID, especially in like February and March, right? If you've been keeping on the news, you'll notice that while most companies are firing, Amazon is hiring like crazy. They yeah. hired 175,000 workers. They still cannot keep up the demand. I think yeah. they would likely still hire more. I saw, a recent now, article, I saw a recent article about Amazon ask, trying to ask people, trying to discourage people from buying. Yes, it's crazy. <laughs> Never before. I mean, most people want you to buy from them more. Uh, yes. Amazon in April had so many orders. They tried to discourage buyers from buying by purposefully removing certain things in the Amazon website. First time ever <laughs> in history. So they removed the customers who bought this also bought. And they bought the frequently, they removed the frequently bought together. Wow. So if you only have one item in mind, like for example, if you want to buy like this item, this is uh, like a coffee cup coaster or whatever. Yeah. In the past, they would say, hey, customer who buy this also like to buy this with maybe a coffee cup or something. Because they want so, you to buy so you can more. Yeah. Yes. And right now, they re I mean, recently they removed all of this, but recently they, they, re they put it back lah, because yeah. they kind of like cleared the backlog. They hired hundred over thousand more workers. So now they can fulfill the new increase in demand. But when this kind of thing happens, right, it really made me think, hey, how much more demand is there in US right now for online shopping? Because it only makes sense, right? People can't go out. They are being forced to get locked down in US. And people who can't go on, who can't shop outside anymore, have no choice. They can go online to shop. And when you go online, Amazon is the market leader, 50%. So 
So there's also people that say that the entire growth of Amazon has shortcut by five years just mm. because of COVID. Yeah. And I see it in either our own results or even in our student results as well. Yeah. Oh man, I believe in that. Uh, I think there's this saying, God, what was this saying? Um, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, okay? Mm-hmm. I think there's a saying um, that there are decades where nothing happens and there are weeks where decade happens. Decades happen, yep, correct. Right, I think this is happening right now for Amazon. Exactly. But decades is happening in weeks. Correct. Right, so, okay, so that means the market is open. I mean, the, 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 the pie is getting bigger and bigger, right, technically speaking. So if more and more people are on Amazon, it also means that, you know, there's, there's more for people to, uh, a bigger pie for everyone to share. Yep, correct. So how easy it is, how, how easy it is for a normal layman to mm. actually, you know, sell on Amazon? How easy is it? I would not say uh, easy in a sense. The, the business is simple. I always tell people, hey, guys, this business is simple. You just follow the steps, step by step, you get results. But I wouldn't use the word easy because easy has this like, oh, it's uh, easy, anyone can do it. Technically, anyone can do it, but you just have to follow the steps. And the steps are like, it's, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. Like, I kind of know what I mean, right? Yeah. But to really frame it, like how easy is it for someone to get started? I would say anyone can literally get started. Mm. As long as you have, you have some time you can set aside and it doesn't have, even have to be a lot of time, just a couple hours a week, you can set aside some capital and it doesn't even have to be a lot because we have students that even started with hundreds and most importantly, you do not even need to be IT savvy. You don't even have to have like computer knowledge because mm. when we do a business on Amazon, there's a lot of things that we do not need to know. It's all done by Amazon. We mm. only need to focus on a few things, which is what we specialize on. And I would say Amazon has made it a lot easier for the typical, uh, even a typical person on the street to get started because of the ease of entry nowadays. Yeah. And especially yeah. you don't have to, um, I mean, I'm not Amazon seller, but at least from just what I read, you don't have to fulfill your, it's called fulfillment by Amazon for purpose. Fulfillment right? by Amazon, correct. Right. You don't even need to fulfill your own uh, logistic uh, handling mm. of uh, even storing the products. Yes. Correct. Okay. That's amazing. So it's like, Compared to like how we used to run business in the past, you need to stock up stocks. You need to yeah. ship everything yourself. You know, when you were doing your uh, escape room, you have to like kind of like solve every problem, even like every toilet got issue, right? Yeah. Now it's just handling the product. So is that so? Um, correct me if I'm wrong. What you're saying is that all all someone have to do is to kind of like focus on what product they are selling. Mm, correct. So okay, maybe if I can. Well, the focus is on the product. Yeah, the focus is more on the product. So uh, I, would, I would zoom out a bit just to share like very briefly like the whole model. So the whole model is about... Yeah, we- so I was going to ask that. So maybe you can share, share with us a little bit of like what's your framework, what's your model? Mm. How do you sell, sell over $3 million USD worth of uh, mm. products in, in layman terms? Okay, so to put it as simply as possible, what we do is we look for products on Amazon that is already selling well. We find out how to further improve it because there's always ways to improve upon a product no matter how well it's doing. We, okay. we, we find a way to improve it, either a better color, better size, or a different packaging or, or different function. We find a supplier somewhere around the world, mostly in China, who can yeah. manufacture that product. We buy, the, we buy that product from the manufacturer, get it made under our own brand. So we become a brand owner. We then take the product, we get it shipped all the way to China. Of course, I'm simplifying the process. There are different more steps in, involved, but we, we yeah. take the product that we order, we get it shipped to Amazon, and the moment is there, we start selling. And pretty much our job is done. So our, our role is to focus a lot on finding good products to sell, 
yeah. knowing where to buy the products from, getting yeah. the products to Amazon. And the moment it reaches Amazon, we just need to make sure we know how to get it to sell. Once it is selling well, literally our job is done because we do not need to build a website. The website is amazon.com. We yeah. don't need to find customers. All of the customers go and shop on Amazon already. We don't have to handle the logistics because they fulfill all the orders. We don't have to handle payment. They collect the money. They pay us every two weeks. We don't have to handle customer support, all done by Amazon. We don't even have to handle things like returns or <clears throat> refund requests or even warehousing because we use Amazon's warehouse. So literally all of the things, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> all of the things that as a business owner we needed to do, now Amazon take it off our, off our plate and we left, left to focus on the, the real core, which is the money thing, the product. Mm. So it kind of simplified the whole process for us. That's interesting. You mentioned about improving the product. That means like you make the product what, what is selling and they make the product better. Because I think one of the biggest um, false belief or limiting everybody, if everyone is selling the same product, then wouldn't it be saturated? So I didn't know about that. When you mentioned about improving product, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because you are, in a way, yeah. you are positioning yourself differently. Or, yeah. Whenever people say that, you know what, uh, it's really saturated. There's like millions of people selling product. Yeah. So now we, we talk about a real life example that I'm sure everyone can relate to. We talk about iPhone. Yeah. Because if you think about it, to be honest, every person that is currently an Apple fan already has an iPhone, correct? It could be like yeah. iPhone 8, 9, uh, iPhone X or whatever. Based on when you watch this, it could be iPhone 12 for all I know. <laughs> but the thing is, every single year, year after year without fail, Apple is able to find a way to improve upon their current phone. And because there is an improved version, something new on the market, and people always kind of like new stuff. We don't want to buy stuff from 10 years ago. That's the reason why Nokia is no longer selling phones. Yeah. If you are always constantly innovating and improving upon your products, that's how you can still go into a market that already are full of existing sellers and yet still do very well. Mm. And that's the biggest thing that I would want to say to people who think that, oh, the marketplace is saturated and that. And there's never such thing as saturation. There's only a lack of innovation. Yeah. If you're always able to innovate and make your product and services better than the people that exist, you can easily outsell them. Yeah. Regardless of whatever industry you're in. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Um, so I want to take a, a bit of a, a shift in direction of the question um, and back a bit into the teaching part. So we talk a bit about Amazon. We talk about like actually how simple, right? Not easy. I think uh, easy is... Uh, <laughs> Not a good word. I mean, it's still hard work. Everything is still hard work. It's just that at least for, for this business model, it looks like something that, you know, it, 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 it has a lot uh, lesser cons compared to a lot of traditional brick and mortar business. Yep. Right? But it's still hard work. Everything is still work, right? You, you can't expect to push a button and uh, passive income coming in. I don't believe, personally, I don't believe in like pure passive income. I, I never really believe in the message. Uh, I think pure passive income is when you really have a lot of money and the money is working for you, right? <laughs> yes. But for most of us, every business, you need to put in some form of hard work. It's just that, where are you going to put hard work in, right? If you work another five, you're going to put hard work, you're going to put hard work anyway. Yeah. Right? So it's funny where people, you know, when they work another five, they have to put hard work. It's hard work, they have to pay for bills. It's hard work to have to face a demanding boss. Mm. But yet when they start a business, they expect the business to be easier. And the yeah. business is supposed to pay them more, by the way. Mm. Right? So, so the model is simple. Okay, we already covered that. We have, we've covered uh, how uh, the market is, is big enough in a way, mm. right? And you just got to constantly innovate uh, on the product like iPhone example. So the next question would be more like, um, so because in a seminar space, in teaching, in, in, you know, in this education space, there's a lot of fake gurus. Mm. Uh, 
there's a lot of negative light on this. How much trolls do you have to deal with on a daily basis? <laughs> hmm, trolls. <laughs> yeah. People who are negative and uh, like, like, and how do you deal with it? I always have this belief uh, that if someone is throwing shit at you, at your back, if they're throwing shit at your back, right? It means one thing. It means that they are behind you. Mm. And there are some people that would love to see you succeed and they will want to push you out. They would, they would love to support you. And some people that will simply love to see you fail and they try to pull you down to their level. So for me, it is what I choose to focus on because I've come to realize very long ago, I can never please the world. Yeah. I can be doing something on my own, not even boring anyone. And I could still have people who hate me for that because I'm not contributing. I'm not giving back. I'm not adding value. Yeah. Then on the other hand, the other extreme, I could be trying my best to add value to really go out there and, and share this message with people. And I could have people out there saying, oh, you're doing this for the money. You're doing this for the fame. Uh, yeah. why, don't you, why don't you work from home and make so much money like you claim you are doing? Yeah. So I realized that it's what I choose to focus on because there will be people that believe in what I'm doing. People yeah. who believe in my vision and my message and can see my, can see my, my true intention. And these yeah. are the people that I choose to focus on to serve them because yeah. they are the people that want to get help anyway. Yeah. And I believe that you can only help the people that want to be helped. Yeah. So yeah. choosing the focus to focus on the people that you want to help, right? Yep. In fact, uh, earlier when you just, when you mentioned about how no matter where you are, people will say shit about you. Yep. People will show shit at you no matter where you are, right? Um, I mean, it, remind, it reminded me of Bill Gates. Like he has done well, right? But yet people, there's this whole controversy going on right now that he was yeah. the one who created coronavirus so he can sell more vaccine. Like exactly. the guy is like, they, they don't, I, think, I think a lot of people with poor minds wish people want more money. Yep. But they don't understand that once we hit a certain point of money, like we were just saying earlier was, was how much? Maybe 120K, 130K or maybe- I, I believe it's in the low six figures per year and he's exactly. way past that. <laughs> and, and Bill Gates is way like thousand past, past that, right? And yet people are saying shit about him. Uh, where you know he's, he created a virus so that he can sell more vaccine. It's ridiculous. Mm. So I think that's that's amazing. So that means rather than focusing on the uh, the people that's throwing shit at you, right, who's behind you, focus on the people that you want to help. Yep. And that you want to impact. Mm. That's awesome. Um, maybe one last thing is um, what is the biggest challenge when it comes to teaching people Amazon for you? That's a good question. A lot of people think that Teaching is all about the tactical, the strategic, the yeah. how-to. And yes. this was me also when I started. Uh. In ah, fact, yes. I, I found a mentor. <laughs> when I started the business, uh, I, I didn't learn it on my own. Uh. I found a mentor. And when I paid a lot of money to my mentor, and I paid a lot of money, I told him, hey, I want you to teach me how to do the business. My mentor told me, hey, Ben, let me tell you, the how-to is easy. It's the why. And I was like, whoa, wow, that's so deep, man. I, I, I can't pay you five figures eh, to learn how to do Amazon. You tell me it's the why. Yeah. And I believe, and, and after having done the business for about three years, after having coached like hundreds and even thousands of students, I come to realize that what he says is really true because it all starts from the why. Mm. Always people think it's the what. The bigger outer picture is the what. What to do, how to make money. Oh, that's Amazon. Fantastic. Now teach me the how. How to do it. And then finally, I will tell you, okay, why I'm doing this? Oh, I'm doing this because I want to make money. And it goes from outside in. But when I realize that people don't act from outside in, the way to create true lasting change if is if I can teach them from the inside out, which means I start with why. I ask them like, what's the, what's the reason you're here? And if they have a very strong reason, the, the, the thing that drives them, which is what I call like the purpose, what they're here for. And the purpose is not just about like money, because if their purpose is to make 10K a month, a lot of them will hit 10K a month in just like with the first product. And then what? 
they hit their purpose and they are purposeless. So it's not about, it's not about like a, a goal, it is about a destination. And I come to realize that the biggest challenge I have, right, <clears throat> is even getting people to believe they can do the business. Yeah. It's the belief. Because a lot of people are still in this belief that they can do it. And that's the funny thing because they pay money, they come for class, they're they are putting their three days into it. And yeah. yet, there are still some people that leave the three days and have a lot of disbelief. They have a lot of doubts. They have a lot of fears that even prevent them from doing the how-to. Yeah. So I come to realize, right, the only way for me to, to create the belief in them that, that, that spurs them to take action, right, is to create a very strong enough why. Which is mm. why I believe that the, the way I do my classes is a little bit different. I don't believe in just teaching the how-to because the how-to is easy. You can go on YouTube and technically you could figure things out on your own. But if you don't have a strong enough reason, right, driving you to want to achieve it, then no matter what, no matter what you learn, you will not do it. So yeah. I would say the biggest challenge, uh, not really one thing, I would say two things. Uh, people need a strong enough reason and yeah. they need to have belief that they can do it. Yeah. Yep. That's amazing. Um, I, I think what people have, the misconception people have is when they pay a teacher or they pay a coach, right? Is they're paying for information. Yep. Right? That information is not, information can't change your life. Information, mm-hmm. knowing the information doesn't mean you act on it. Yep. Right? And this is a true story. I think my biggest growth came when I was, uh, when I actually attended ClickFunnels uh, coaching, which is the one-year coaching that I paid over 50, at least $50,000 because of the exchange rate, Singapore dollars, including all the flight and everything. And it was a one-year commitment. And I realized this, when I was in the coaching, I learned everything You're that really is the same in the dot-com secrets book, <laughs> the same in expert secrets book. I learned nothing new. But because, I, but because if this is $20, you only value at $20. And if it's information is online, so, many, so much information online for free or YouTube and all that, right? It's free, you don't value it. But because I paid 50K for it, I have to do something about it. And that was when I actually dive in and read the same thing over and over again. And I start to understand the depth of the learning rather, mm. than, just, rather than just more information. Mm. Right? So, so information doesn't change our life. And um, um, I think there was this saying that like um, a good coach or a good teacher uh, teach the how-to, mm. but uh, a great teacher inspire people to take action. Mm. Right, so I think what you just mentioned earlier is so so relatable. Uh, I think I myself I'm also learning how to um, uh, not just teaching the how to, right? Teaching how to is easy. People may not take action if they don't believe it, but it's to get people to actually take action, believe in it, and do something about it. Yeah, yeah, love it. Uh, so I'm gonna end one one uh, one last question that is a bit off topic uh, before we end this. Uh, by the way, thank you so much for being here with us, uh, and I just want to ask you a quick question. So. You know, we are, we are reaching the end of Circuit Breaker, okay? And of course, even after Circuit Breaker, we cannot actually go, it's, it's not technically back to normal and we can't go out yet, but, you know, what is the one thing that you miss the most right now? And if things were to go back to normal, you know, where we can go out again, we can go out, have fun again or, or, or whatever, what is the first thing you would do? Ooh, I haven't really given this much thought. Uh, I used to like to play soccer a lot. So that's something I will continue to do, but it's not really the one thing I would do first. Uh. Yeah, what's the first thing you would do? The first thing I would do... Uh, first thing I do, honestly, is I'll bring my wife for a good movie, probably go to like, go class somewhere nice, just really sit down and be in a public place without fear of 
having to be seen without a mask on and then just really enjoying a nice movie. Just sitting yeah. down, relaxing for two, three hours and just having a nice movie and then ending off the night with a nice back massage. Because working from home, <laughs> uh, sitting down on a chair for a couple of hours a day has been a, has been a toll. Uh, and I started to realize uh, that the importance of investing in good office gear, which is uh, chairs and also like even standing up paper, which I plan to do yeah. after this. So yeah. I plan to get like, a nice ergonomic chair. I realize secret lab chairs are are nice and well-branded. But if you work six, eight, ten hours on it, it's not exactly the most comfortable. And oh, really? I just, I, just got, I just got one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's on the I'm way. Gonna, I'm going to sell mine off. I'm getting a Herman Miller chair. It's ergonomic. And my friend tells me, like, you can sit on it for hours and your back will not hurt. So probably oh. going to upgrade that. And standing desk also. So I'm going to get an Omni desk. My sit-down yeah, desk doesn't stop anymore. Yeah. yeah. So probably that's it. Just uh, have a nice movie, end off yeah. with a nice massage, and then <sighs> enjoy life as it is supposed to be. <laughs> love it, love it. I, uh, I, I, miss, I, miss, I miss watching a movie as well with my wife. <laughs> so, thank you so much, uh, uh, Benjamin, for, for being uh, with us today on the Story Impact Show. And um, can the viewers, where can the listeners find you? Mm, I have this Telegram channel. So, my mm-hmm. Telegram channel, if you have a Telegram app, you can go to t.me slash amz underscore elites. So mm. t.me slash amz underscore elites. Uh, okay. I post about Amazon related stuff there, some content about how to start selling. Uh, I'm also found on Facebook and Instagram. So you can just search for Hey Bentan, H-E-Y-B-E-N-T-A-N on Facebook and Instagram. And you can just uh, follow my Facebook, Instagram. I post, li- I post mostly about my day-to-day stuff on Instagram. So Facebook is more for business and for work related stuff. So yeah. you can follow me there. Got it. We'll put the uh, respective link in uh, the description, depending on where you're watching this or where you're listening to this from, so you mm. can find Ben. And uh, if you ever want to learn about uh, Amazon, starting your own Amazon uh, FBA business, I highly recommend Ben. Uh, mm. He is the go-to guy, uh, especially in uh, right now in Asia. Uh, he's the leading authority behind. Yeah. So awesome. once again, thanks. Uh, thank you so much for, for being with us. Thank you. Happy to be on the show. All right. Take care, man. Take care. See you. Hey, this is Gabriel again, and really quickly, I just want to thank you so much for listening to the Story Impact Show. I hope you have enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Don't forget to drop me a review on iTunes, and your comments will help me greatly in creating more killer content like this just for you. And if you want to stay up to date with all my content, upcoming podcasts, events, and much more, please jump onto my website at www.heygabrielwong.com.